Hey, can I talk to you for a sec? Uh, sure. What's up, Explainers? This is the second installment of our five-part mini-series about communication conundrums, how to deal with them when they happen, and how to prevent them from happening. Our goal is to prevent them when we can and deal with them when we need to. Today's communication conundrum is dealing with a workplace confrontation. Let's be real, Explainers. Work confrontations happen. They're not pretty. They're not fun. They do happen and they're not always avoidable. So when they do happen, we want you to be able to go to your communication toolkit, choose the strategies you need and repair what you need to so that you can communicate with confidence, authenticity, and poise. That's why we're here. So you had a confrontation at work. It happens. It's going to be okay. I promise. In light of our theme about taking responsibility for our communication and their outcomes, we are going to take responsibility and do the following. Let's have a look at the strategies. Strategy number one, don't make it about you. It's so easy to just take something personally, especially when we're confronted with an angry interlocutor. They're confronting you after all, right? So the immediate thought that we have is they have an issue with me. They think I'm this, that, or the other. I'm their problem. Guess what, explainers? You're not their problem. The reality is is that a lot of people walk around with baggage and sometimes people will be frustrated and they'll take their frustrations out on you. And sometimes you're just their punching bag. And It's not okay, especially if this is becoming more of a recurrent theme in your life or in their life in that situation, but you also have to remember that we're all human and these things do happen. So instead of taking it personally, you say, okay, I think that person's having a rough day. I'm going to be as kind as I can to them and I'm going to do the strategies that I'm about to give you. Okay. That's a healthier way of confronting the confrontation and dealing with it with confidence, authenticity, and poise. Right, Explorers? There's so much more than meets the eye. You have no idea what's going on in their personal lives. So just think of it as a bigger picture situation. Okay? And that's why we don't take these things personally. Now, there are some circumstances that do call for pointing you out as the problem. Now, there could be a scenario where you are the issue, in which case they probably would voice that and they would give you valid reasons for believing so, right? And so I'm not saying that maybe they just don't like you and they don't really know why. Maybe you chew loudly. Maybe you just get under their skin and they can't tell you why. That's still their issue, right? So that's not about you. But in a scenario where it is about you, then that's a separate issue, right? And that would be a different video. It's beyond the scope of what we're talking about today, We're talking about somebody lashing out on you. They have a confrontation with you and we are giving you strategies to deal with this kind of communication conundrum. The second strategy is talking it out face to face. Now, after a confrontation happens, you want to avoid rushing to your email, sending out an email in haste or going to your phone and texting the person. That will just make matters worse. You don't want to use 
modes of communication where there is lack of nonverbals. Nonverbals are really powerful because we can see the emotion. We can see what the person is doing in their communication that we don't get from an email or a text message. Sometimes the root cause of these types of confrontations is due to an inability to see eye to eye about something. So sometimes it's just about talking it out in person to figure out what the issue is and then to get to the bottom of that issue, right? So when a confrontation transpires, you want to talk to that person face to face. This is essential to resolving the issue and to remedy the problem because again, you have the emotions that you can use and the nonverbals that can help disarm the person who's overheating and who's angry and frustrated. Going to your phone or to email and using emojis, which you wouldn't even use in a workplace environment, would not be the best way to go about things. So you designate a time to meet that person in a face-to-face meeting and try to meet in a neutral setting, meaning make sure that it's a neutral territory so that you really show that you are on an even playing field. You're not meeting in their office. You're not meeting in your office. You're booking a private meeting room. You're finding some communal space that's private so that you can really dive deep into the resolution part of this whole thing. You can even go to a nearby coffee shop. At that face-to-face meeting, you call out the pink elephant in the room. Sometimes it might be obvious as to why the person confronted you in the first place. Other times it won't be obvious, in which case you'll have to ask, have I done something to upset you? What have I done to make you this angry? Things like that so that you can actually get to the bottom of things, right? Literally calling out the pink elephant in the room. The most important thing with this, when you have a face-to-face meeting, that you go in with a positive attitude and with the sole goal of coming to a resolution. You're not going there to tell them off. You're not going in there to make them feel worse than they already are, especially if they're just having a bad day and they took it out on you. You are going there with a positive mindset and a constructive mindset so that you can actually fix the issue and make it so that it might not ever happen again, right? And that is ultimately what we want. Using these strategies to prevent these communication conundrums from happening to begin with. The third strategy is to call a team meeting. Now, you could do this one of two ways. You could either have this meeting be in lieu of the face-to-face meeting that we talked about in strategy two, or you could do it after the in-person meeting So that would be strategy three, right? So you first have a face-to-face meeting, then you call a team meeting. Now, I'm going to leave this up to you because in some cases you might be in a position of power where you do call together a meeting. Let's say you have people, a team that you're running or you're leading a department or running some other sort of group. You might find it appropriate to first have a meeting with everyone and then talk to the person after. I personally would advise you to have that face-to-face meeting first with the person, which is why it's strategy two, and then do this strategy, strategy three, call the meeting together. And the reason being is that if you don't really know what's going on with that person and why they confronted you to begin with, then you might feel defensive and tempted to call that person out and humiliate them, even in a joking way or a 
self-effacing way, but that is detrimental to repairing the relationship and to getting to the bottom of the confrontation. So I do not advise that, obviously. What I do advise is to first clear the air with the person privately so that you can then address the whole team and not even call out that person. That would not be something you do here, but what you would do is use that as a teachable moment so that you can address the issue. Let's say the person lashed out on you, the confrontation, because of a time management issue that they had. Maybe they couldn't meet the deadline and they felt frustrated and they took it out on you because they said that you set unrealistic expectations that they couldn't meet. Now, without even talking about the confrontation you had, because that's private and you resolve that in the face-to-face private meeting with that person, Instead, what you take to the meeting when you call the meeting is bringing a teachable moment about, you know, if there's an issue with time management, that person will talk to the team leader, the department head ahead of time before it's too late, before they're running into issues, right? So it's it's as simple as communicating that to the person. So what would you have in the team meeting? Point of the team meeting would be to communicate needs and to do goal setting. A framework that I like to use for goal setting and objective setting is the SMART framework. So S stands for specific. You want your objectives to be specific. M is measurable. A is attainable. R is relevant. T is time bound. So in this meeting, you are setting your objectives to make sure that everyone is on the same page. Number four, find a win-win situation. Now, this would be ideal, right? So you had a confrontation. Now you try to figure out what the win-win situation would be for you and for your interlocutor, right? So a story that I love and I, my father would tell it to us growing up is about, it's the orange story. That's how I fondly refer to it. Now, imagine two people want an orange. Person A wants an orange because they actually want to eat the fruit. Person B just wants the rind. So just the zest, the peel that they can use for cooking. Let's say they're baking a cake. So that's what they want. But to the bystander, or if that's not communicated what they actually want, it might just seem like both parties want an orange and there's only one orange. Uh Uh-oh, communication conundrum. So what do we do? Well, let's say person A shared with person B that they just want the fruit. They're going to eat that orange because they need to get their vitamin C that day. Person B maybe communicated that they're going to make a delicious orange cake and they need the zest only. Now, if these two people just communicate what they actually want, why they want that orange, then That's a win-win situation. Person A gets the whole fruit. Person B gets the whole zest. If they don't communicate and they just say, I want an orange, I want an orange too. All right, well, we both want an orange. Let's just cut it down the middle. You have half, I have half. Now, that's a good scenario. It's a good outcome, but it's not the ideal outcome for neither party, right? Because person A would just get half the fruit. Person B would just get half the zest. And then the rest would go to waste on both sides. 
So instead, what you do is you communicate your needs. People aren't mind readers. Now, you have to be able to communicate what you need and what you want so that people can understand how they can help you. Keep in mind this orange story because this is the way you're going to be able to find a win-win on both sides, simply by communicating your needs. Number five, get a BATNA. You may or may not have heard of this term before, but it is a term coined by the authors of a great book called Getting to Yes, and it's about negotiations. So I can dive deeper into BATNA in a separate video, but today I'm just going to share a few main takeaways of what a BATNA is and how to find your BATNA. Now, a BATNA is used in negotiations, and what it stands for is a best alternative to a negotiated agreement. I know that's a mouthful, but essentially it is, what is your best next alternative? So in a situation where you weren't able to see eye to eye, the follow-up meeting didn't go so well, not as well as you had hoped, and you weren't able to come to a win-win situation, so what do you do? You don't despair. You find a BATNA and pull that out. That is your rabbit out of the magic hat trick, almost. So how do you get to a BATNA? First, you brainstorm. So you write out the possible actions that you could take if you're not able to come to an agreement. Let's say you've already tried to come to an agreement and you cannot find an agreement. Then you would write out the possible actions you can take. So when you look at what you've written there, you highlight the three ideas that would make the most sense in terms of what you can actually carry out in action. So your action plan, in other words. So you come up with the three ideas that you think you could actually do in real life in a sense of it being most favorable to you. And then you take those three ideas and you narrow it down further by looking at the single most favorable option that you can take action on and put into motion. BATNAs are powerful across any type of negotiation. This could be a job search. This could be an interview. It could be a salary negotiation. It could be figuring out ways of remedying a toxic work culture. Any type of negotiation, anytime you really need to figure out what your best next alternative is, go with a BATNA. Number six, framing it with I. As you know, our theme here with these strategies across the multiple communication conundrums that makes up this five-part mini-series is all about taking responsibility for our actions, for our communications, and for the outcomes. In light of that theme, we are talking about framing with I. So instead of saying you, 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 right? We're pointing the finger. That's blaming the person, right? So we want to take responsibility. So not only taking responsibility in our minds, like, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. You actually also verbalize that to the person so that they know that you are showing that you're taking responsibility. Instead of saying, you did this, you were late handing in that report, you didn't speak to the head of the department well, you did this, you did that. We avoid that kind of framing and instead we use I. I felt that this was irresponsible of the way we manage things. I'd like to understand what happened from your point of view. I wasn't aware of the fact that the team would be running late. I, right? So showing the person that you are responsible 
insofar as you understand what's going on in the situation. And of course, they will flesh out the details for you so that you can see eye to eye. What have I done to cause you to feel this way? Right? What have I done? I did something. What did I do? Tell me. What do you believe I could have done differently? I could have done differently. So the action, right, is about you. You took action. You did something. This is a really powerful way of disarming the person who's angry, frustrated, confrontational, and getting to the bottom of the situation. For strategies seven and eight, this has to do with active listening and empathetic communication, empathetic listening. So there are two separate videos about these. I would highly recommend you and encourage you to watch those, revisit them. I will link them below in the description box. But in a nutshell, what we're talking about here is really being able to actively listen and empathetically listen because you need to really hear the person in order to resolve the issue. Why are they frustrated? You need to pay attention to not only what they're saying, but how they're saying it using their tone of voice, their prosody, their nonverbal communication, and also their words, right? So it's the whole package. So you have to be attuned to their message and how they're conveying it right? And that comes with actively listening and empathetically listening. And these are really great ways of helping the person figure out the issue and then resolving it and coming to a resolution together. Let's quickly recap before we go. Today's communication conundrum is a workplace confrontation. The way that we dealt with this workplace confrontation is using the eight strategies we outlined for you in this video today. Practice these strategies, try them out, make them your own, and then be prepared to use them in the event of a confrontation. It's not the end of the world. We all get frustrated. We're human. We lash out. We take responsibility for our actions and doing so will help us become a better communicator, a more effective communicator so that we can really do well in our business, do well in our relationships, do well in life. Just being aware of these strategies is not enough. You really have to put them to use so that when a confrontation does occur, it's second nature to you. You know what to do. You know how to act professionally and appropriately in that given context and that you're not in a frenzy and trying to figure out what to do and falling back on old ways that is not conducive to conflict resolution, let's say. But these eight strategies, you really have to practice, make them your own, Practice them and have them in your toolkit so that you're ready when the time comes. Don't wait before it's too late. All right, Explorers, that's a wrap on this video. I'm so glad you could join us today. If you haven't subscribed, please do so that you can get all of our videos and make sure that you watch the other installments of this five-part mini-series because we are going into different communication conundrums and how to deal with them and prevent them. And we are looking forward to hearing from you. Send us your comments, send us your DMs, and I will see you in the next video. Happy exploring.